0: This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema.
1: And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. Uh, This is our first show of the year, and we've got a humdinger for you. We're gonna kick off with Wolf Manor. Then we have Rob Zombie's The Monsters. Uh, A little film called Exploited. It's gonna be followed by The Mummy Resurrection, the latest film from Steve Lawson. Uh, Then we have got a film called The Minute You Wake Up Dead, which starts with a very um, recognizable voice over the narration. And then we have Hellblazers. Uh, DTV throwback. No, it is not. Uh, Short shot. Is Ghost Bleed the Bio Horror and then our DTV throwback is Eye of the Tiger starring Gary Busey and Yafik Koto. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film then is Wolf Manor. A film crew making a vampire movie have been granted permission to use an old country manor as its main set as long as they vacate the premises by the next full moon. However, when the shoot overruns, the cast and crew soon find out that they're definitely overstayed their welcome. Uh, quite a fun one, this, so I found um, it lacks a bit of pace every now and again, but um, it, it's, it's one of those classic sort of British horror comedies. Um, There are definite nods to um, American Whale from London, of course, uh, especially right at the beginning with the two film critics turning up um, and entering the pub. Um, I I really did like this one. It's got a lot of fun performances in it. Um, But I just think every now and then it could have been tightened up. Steve, what did you make of this one? Um,
3: Yeah, pretty much agree with that i have actually I just have not look at it now on IMDB I've always realised who the director is as well Mm. Um, it's Buddy Paddy from Emmerdale which I thought was weird he's in it it for like two seconds at the beginning it's a taxi driver I'm thinking Mm. okay so you know fair enough maybe he's helping a friend out obviously he's helping himself out but um, yeah like you say it's it's well done I, I even I was a bit worried about the you know, the monster, the werewolf. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that actually pulled it off quite well, to be fair. but the effects were quite good. Um The gore was pretty decent as well. It, it's all practical yeah, like
2: effects as well, isn't it, I think? It's
3: yeah, it just seems to be all practical. It just... I mean, it's not original in any way, shape or form. Mm-hmm. Um And like I say, it does... Yeah, it does need a bit of tightening in the middle, I'd say. Or you know between the attacks, it just drags slightly, and uh, like James Fleet, he's just a bit too, a little bit over the top. But he's just focusing mm. too much on him, to be fair. And you know, mm. would, you know, posh toffee, you know, lovey darling, all that kind of stuff. And he just needs a bit, a bit of that winding in, I think.
2: Yeah, he sort of comes across, as, you know, obviously they're trying to do a pastiche of, like, uh, Peter Cushing kind of thing, but 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 by way of J- Derek Jacobi, you know, <laughs> it's, 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 that's how yeah. he comes across to me. It's like, if, if Derek Jacoby ended up making, um, you know, a whole bunch of, like, Bargain Basement Hammer horror movies, you know, that that's mm. who he would be, basically.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's good. I, I thought it was a good one. Uh, Rich, what did you make of Wolf Manor?
0: I liked it a lot as well. And I recognized I knew the director's name because hmm. I've seen it in a couple of things. And there's a film called bait from a few years ago that I've been wanting to see oh, yeah, for ages. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but no, I did like Steve. It was only on this film that I actually looked him up and realized that it was Paddy from Emmerdale, which is because he's got, hmm. he's actually directed quite a lot of stuff. He's um he's, he's been doing it for a while. So um, I i, I used, I mean, I used to watch, I haven't watched Emmerdale since the time when he was in it really so, um, so, he's still in so it. sorry he's still in it oh he's still in it so oh, he's yeah, doing yeah. his acting so he's doing his directing career while still acting wow that's that's well wow, that's that impressive schedule. yeah <laughs> yeah so that's really interesting the um uh the, the presence of James Fleet who I didn't think of recognize his name when it came up but as soon as he came on screen I was like oh it's the guy from like the Vicar of Dibley and stuff I really enjoy mm-hmm. him and uh mm. you know th- th- i thought the pun of him being called oliver lawrence was quite fun mm. Mm. and uh the um yes i i i mean i completely get where you're coming from Mike, with that whole d- he could be a derek jacoby kind of guy definitely absolutely i think that's good that's a good call it's a good fun thing um because we know like um uh people like peter cushion whatever didn't really mm. love doing some of the stuff that they ended up doing or christian yeah. lee or whoever mm. yeah. um but you know, but in this case, it, they've also put in a little bit of Oliver Reed in there as well, mm-hmm. um, be- with the alcoholism.
2: Oh, uh, yeah, Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. If who's, who's the Olivier other? One? Drank who's who's the well. other one? Um, uh, the, one that, the one that was the original Dumbledore. Uh, oh, Richard Harris. I'm oh, Richard sorry. Harris. Yeah, that's another one. Yeah, yeah he's much
0: more of a handful.
2: Yeah, <laughs> a lot of tap Same as Oliver uh, Reed would be, but yeah, I think yeah, I think there's,
0: they've they've made this some sort of composite kind mm. of character here but i think derek Jacobi is a good call is probably the closest yeah. um uh, to to him i mean jared Jacobi's done like what uh, underworld movies and stuff like that. it's been very yeah, very strange seeing him turn up in some of that stuff um yeah. so i like james fleet there's also some, some really great moments uh, really good comic timing in this mm. uh, like for example uh james fleet is quite spineless and he basically throws somebody yeah, in front of the yeah, bus, literally. basically. So. Yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. there's a moment where it seems like he's looking back in remorse, mm. but it's not. It's like he's dropped his bottle. Yeah, that's <laughs> It's just little bits like that. Um, yeah. uh, I thought that all the setup stuff was done really well. There was one thing that, that did sort of bug me, and that was the the opening, which is really cool, uh, done mm. in the style of Universal Pictures, uh, making the film Crimson Manor, and it's all very retro. Mm. And I didn't quite understand that because the, the the film they're making and the way they act about the film they're making, they they've got no pride or or sort of ambition mm. with it at all. So it's not like I I can't imagine they would be trying to make a retro movie. They would just be cramming cranking it out as quick yeah. as possible, kind of thing. It, so I didn't know if that was just sort of a, a novelty thing, or was that was this the latest in a series that they would. Doing or something, I thought it was well executed. I just didn't think it quite fit with where where the um, where it, it yeah, went it, with uh, with the producers yeah, and was, everything, and what they were doing, and the director and stuff. But, did
3: they, Did you not say that this is like part six or something? Oh
2: yeah, yeah. Is it, is it six. Is, yeah. It's like uh, Oliver Lawrence's sixth performance as that character yeah. or something. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. In the beginning, was he in that sort of pastiche opening? Um, hmm. I can't remember. Uh, he was. I think so. Yeah. Okay, I can't remember, but the um, but anyway, I thought it was really nice. It was a really nice opening, anyway. And uh, if if I miss something there, I'm not. Uh, that's that's my, that's my fault. I also thought that the final shot um, it gets to an interesting place because it hmm. lingers quite a while and something happens. But when it first happens, I'm like, come on, this shot's taking ages. You know, we didn't really hmm. need, you know, sort of um, it drags out a bit. Um, this is only a, an 80 minute movie. The film actually, its first end point is at 71 minutes did you yes keep watching
2: of course you did <laughs> yeah because yeah. that's really Isn't... interesting that whole sequence is really, well, it's, really
0: it's basically a short film yeah exactly, it's added yeah. on it's a completely different bit but it's like a backstory yeah. thing and that it's, that part, yeah
2: the, the, the owner of it's the owner of the manor and how he became yeah. how he is sort of yeah
0: basically yeah it was,
2: Which should... was,
0: um... mm. Sorry? you missed that one i missed that bit mm. Well, it, what was interesting for me about that bit is um, uh, I'm not. I don't really know. I know Rula Lenska's name, but I don't know mm. much about her. And she was speaking Polish, and I was mm. like, "Oh, that's interesting." And she sounded very fluent. So then I look up. I look her up, and I realize her parents are Polish. She is actually Polish. She was. Oh. She was born in the UK and, and, and stuff, born and raised in the UK. But her parents are actually Polish aristocracy, and that so that was quite really uh, quite interesting. She's actually. Um, Got a lot going on at the moment. About the week before this, she had another horror movie called I think The Winter Witch came out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's also touring, um, I think touring the um, best uh, a stage version of the Best Exotic Marigold Hotel. So she's got a lot going on. Um, And uh, it was nice to it's it's always nice to see these um, you know uh, iconic sort of actors from from soap operas and whatever. Uh, of the past, sort of t- mm. t- turning up in these kind of movies and stuff. So it, um, the and I thought the rest of the cast was really good, but say James Fleet, you know, steals the movie. But I thought everyone else was really good as well. I liked it a lot. I thought all the references were quite fun. I would say it's comical, but not a comedy as yep. so much. It's definitely yeah. It, yeah. It's, it. You classify it as a horror comedy, but the mm. emphasis is not on most of. The com- I think the horror stuff works really well. Yeah, um, it's. It, I agree with what you uh, what you were saying earlier, Mike, about the prosthetics, and, you know, the, and the costume, and everything. I thought mm. that was all very well handled. Um, definitely a real pleasant
2: surprise. This one. Mm-hmm. And on that note, uh, Steve, how are you going to score it? I'll give it a six. Right. I'll give it a seven, and Rich, uh,
0: I think I'm going to. St- I think I'm going to say a seven, high seven.
2: All right. Two sevens and a six for Wolf Manor. Go check it out. Our next film is The Monsters. Director Rob Zombie reimagines the origins of the Monsters family and what brought them to California. Steve,
1: over yeah. to
3: you. Oh, shit. I'm sorry, what Absolutely dog shit. I'm sorry. I don't know what he was thinking. I mean, to be fair, right? Watching it, it actually looked, to me, it actually looked quite good. Yeah, I thought the sets were really good and I, I like the colour palettes and everything. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That is it. The script is terrible. can't believe Rob Zombie's actually put his name to it. The acting is awful. No one comes out of this with anything any pride or dignity at all, to be fair. They're all woeful. I mean, the one that got me was, is it Richard Brake?
0: Yeah.
3: Now, normally, like I saw him last week in Barbarian, you know, Mm. and he's not in it for long, but is real in this. It's, it's so over the top. It's untrue. It's it, oh. it's dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. I mean, there's no there's no plot as such. And the thing that the thing that really got me about it as well is all like the like the pop culture aspects of it. You know, like. The punch lines about certain people and things like that it's so rooted in like the 60s and 70s i don't I don't really know who he's made this far because it's not for kids but i wouldn't say it's really for
2: adults mm. no i totally agree it's, it's just a weird mm. mishmash now i i struggled with this one I, I did actually sort of fall asleep at one point watching this um, I twice, and I, I did sort of put it on again uh, earlier today to try and finish it off. Can one of you answer this question? Well, does the film actually use the original soundtrack at any point? The original music from from the, the TV series. Right at the I... end, they do, don't they?
0: Yeah, they do a black and white um, bit just well,
2: uh, uh, oh, fair enough. Bit
0: just before the credits roll.
2: Yeah, when they like
0: yeah, break through the door and stuff. Yeah.
2: Uh fair enough. So so you know, there is that at least. Because other than that, you know, the original sitcom, this was a family, an actual family. So Herman <clears> and Lily were married, you know, un- the, the the grandpa vampire. Uh they had a son who was Eddie the Wolfman, said, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Munster. They yeah. had a niece, um Marilyn, who's like normal yeah. human. Uh, nowhere to seem, to be seen in this from what I can tell.
3: No, no yeah, that's again, that's another thing. It's because
0: it's, uh, it's gone the prequel route, that's why.
3: Yeah, it's like it's like what he did with Halloween though. You know what I mean? It's like oh, we need to set up why they're in America, we need to set up why they're living on Mockingbird Lane, you know what I mean? It's just I don't know. It's like he's got this thing that he's He's got to answer every single question or something
2: this um, yeah uh, the acting yeah. In this was dreadful um yeah the performance some of the performances that zombie thing at the beginning yeah i could not believe you know how did that get how was he not screaming cut yeah, yeah, yeah at any point you know is he not so going, okay, oh it, it's just the worst Um, I've got a premonition here, Steve. Come on. I I think Richard secretly likes this.
3: (laughs) He has been a bit quiet, hasn't
2: he? He's been very quiet so far. Rich, what did you make of Rob Zombies the Monsters?
0: Well, I'm not going to say that I liked it particularly, but Mm. I am going to come to its defense to a degree. Something interesting. Well, I think. What I respect about it is that he, he's gone all in. You know, he has made the film that he wanted to make. He's taken this source and he's said, I want to make The monsters how how I would like to reimagine it. Uh, and he's gone for the whole hog. I mean, it's interesting to see... Uh, this is a director video production made by uh, Universal 1440. 40, 40, yeah. So it was never intended for the cinema. But, Steve, but Rob Zombie came on board as writer-director from the start knowing that uh he's working with a more limited budget uh and he's you know i think you know he's gone and what's in what i find interesting is you know he's his he's known for such really grim stuff mostly mm-hmm. mm. uh, and he's gone the complete other end he's he's really i mean he's kept his neon. Neon campiness, and he's sort of amped that up. He's really gone for the. He's always had that sort of uh, in his music, the neon camp uh, mm. aesthetic, and he's and he's put that here, sort of front and center, and he's sidelined all the grim and nasty Texas Chainsaw kind of uh, knockoffs and you know, vulgarity, oh, and up, yeah, for the, cool. of, of Devil's Redux to make what is the closest thing to yeah is basically a family-friendly Rob Zombie movie. Which I don't think there have been any others. He did an animated film called The Haunted World of Super, El Super Visto, but that was for adults as well. Mm. Um, the so I can I I like that that that, that he's sort of stuck to his guns. And he think, yes, he hasn't written anything particularly good. Uh, I lo- I do like some of the jokes uh, and some of the references, like in the like the background details and stuff. Like the, the, he's put these sort of more adult jokes in the sort of background stuff like there's a there's like a strip club so there's live dead girls and uh, there's um uh, grandpa monster sort of reading play ghoul magazine and stuff which is sort of sort of cheesy stuff we've seen variations on that in other things but it's he's really he's really obviously very fond of that that the show and the particular sort of era that it that it comes from and he wanted to sort of work with that i guess but i also think the sort of exaggerated sort of, because obviously it was a black and white show and here it's a vibrant neon production. Um, That made it feel more like pantomime. So I thought maybe the the British market might embrace it a bit more because we're used to that kind of crazy sort of heightened camp uh, Hmm. more than the Americans are. So I think that's quite interesting. I think that's maybe why I sort of uh, didn't mind it as much. It's too long. It's it's nearly two hours, um, you know. It's like an hour and fifty minutes long, which yeah. it really shouldn't have been. They should have said hour and ten minutes, hour and twenty minutes max. Mm. I think, um, uh, much like the, uh, you know, like when the Batman animated movies did the mm. um, the homages to the Adam West stuff, and they got Adam West back, mm. and they they they. they they made those in the style of the 1960s but they said you know these ones like many of the other animated films you got you got to stick it to keep it at like 70 minutes or so um and i think that's what he should have done here it's 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 too baggy and yes there is no plot uh, really it's it's just sort of characters going around doing stuff and and, and singing silly songs there's there's a nosferatu character who, who's like into yeah. techno dance
2: and stuff and
0: and rats really, really stupid and rats it's, it's um it's a vehicle for rob zombie's wife Sherry Moon zombie who she only this is a really interesting point for me it's like she only stars in movies made by her husband hmm. so she you know because Rob zombie is quite an auteur director you know his stamp is clearly all over everything you can tell it's his. And his wife is the trope, is is like the lead trope, yep. of his work, which I find really curious, because that's that's not re- I mean, you might have like um, uh, directors who put a particular uh, star or you know whatever in their movies quite a lot you know like their muses and things like mm. that, but they they're not usually the director's wife and they're not usually in pretty much like everything they do mm. uh, in a in a lead role. Um, so, yeah, she wasn't great, but I didn't mind it. You know, it was all part of the acting is all rote by when design. I,
2: yeah, when, it, when I came back to it um, today, and I had another look at it, uh, and I could see that she, both her and uh, Jeff Daniel Phillips, who played Herman, mm. were actually making an attempt to do a version of the original characters, the way that Fred Gwynn played. Yeah, um, and, you can't and, uh,
0: replace Fred Gwynn. Fred no, Gwynn can't. was perfect. Yeah.
2: <laughs> There's um, just no way you can match but, that. But but, but I, I did pick up on the mannerisms that, that you know they, they were going for. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, if you're going to do something like this, then why not do you know if if, you, if you're putting your interpretation on it, why be so slavish? I mean, they're not because they're sort of like, oh even more exaggerated than the original performances were, you know. Yeah. But why, you know, why, why go that route? I, I didn't understand that at all. And, and why change the, the, the structure, you know, the dynamics of the relationships? It's um, mm. all a bit weird.
0: Yeah, I also thought it was interesting because I'd never really looked into it before, the mm. relationship between the monsters and the Adams Family. Mm. Both shows were on at exactly the same time. Mm-hmm. for exactly the same amount of time they both aired between 64 theories, to 66 yeah,
2: yeah.
0: and obviously i mean the difference being that the adams family was uh based on a comic strip which was mm. going back to like the 30s the monsters wasn't but the monsters was based on the um obviously the universal monsters kind of stuff mm. so the they both come from a different place but i guess also uh what he's done here with with making that heightened camp sort of colourful aesthetic really makes it stand apart from the the interpretations of the Addams Family which were great especially at like uh, Barry Sonnenfeld's films mm. um, which people I think sometimes think of as being Tim Burton films because they've kind of got that Tim Burton kind of thing going for him but he wasn't anywhere near them at the time he's only really come into it I think now oh, uh, and well, unless I'm, so I'm wrong sure about actually, that and he was yeah. a producer or something but uh, as far as I'm aware it was all uh, Barry Sonnenfeld but um, but Adam's Family uh, reunion, which I think is the third one, that yeah. was when it went DTV and went really ropey, and you know they mm-hmm. they they got Tim Curry and, and stuff. And it, I never really watched it properly. It was just not good, not really not good quality. And this is close. This is closer to that, obviously, than the, than the heights of 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 the mid nineties uh, Adam's Family movies. I think yeah, it's it's an awkward one. Who's its audience? Who's going to watch it? Not sure. I think the the hardcore Rob Zombie fans are basically it. Um, I can't hmm. really see who else is really going to go for it, but I think certain people... I, um, if I they can't even see Rob them is, going for it, though. Oh, the is complete, complete is what, so... I mean,
1: yeah, complete
3: is probably, but you know, it's so... so they're all going
2: to watch it. They're all going to watch out. it, yeah. not like it. It's another Unfortunately, there's
0: no actual Rob Zombie music in it, which I think... They should have been, mm. I think, because the the music just isn't very good. Which, no. um, I think, if he'd have been a bit more involved in the soundtrack, <clears throat> that would have improved yeah, things. The, there, the if you like his music, I mean, I'm well, not, I, I do like um, Rob Zombie and White Zombie music generally.
2: The so. only bit of this I actually did connect with was when Lily meets Herman for the first time, and he's he's playing that sort of rockabilly band. Oh yeah, that, mm. that was the only bit I thought. Okay, yeah, I can I can I can live with that. But the rest of it, no, not really. It just, yeah, it just rubbed me up the wrong way from start to finish. Unfortunately, how are we going to score this, Steve? Three,
3: three.
2: Okay. Um, aesthetically, it scores okay. Um, but but the the acting is going to drag it. So for me, it's a four. And Rich.
0: Uh. I'm gonna give. I I I like the fact that it went all in. Uh, I uh, I think it, there is some merit there. Um, just another quick mention: Sylvester McCoy is in this movie, which I is great, yeah, and he is. is so well suited to this movie because <laughs> <laughs> Sylvester McCoy's kind of humor and that it just matches it perfectly. So um, I'm gonna give it a six.
2: All right, then. A three, a four, and a six for Rob Zombie's The Monsters. This is likely to appeal to you if you're a fan of Rob Zombie more than it is if you're a fan of the old TV show. Go check it out. (laughs) Our next review is Exploited. Freshman Jeremy unwittingly picks up a flash drive which belonged to a student who previously stayed in his dorm room. On it, he discovers a dark secret which threatens his and his friend's lives. Um, this took a while for me to sort of really get a handle on Steve. Mm. Um, yeah. It, yeah, the way it starts is pretty full on. Uh, so, you know, just just to let our listeners know, there's quite a bit of um, male full frontal nudity in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, quite a lot of sex, but not, not just, um, sort of male, female, but also a bit of male, male, um, as well, which, uh, is an interesting spin, I, I have to say. Um, but overall, I quite enjoyed this. I have to say it's, it, it reminded me of a couple of films. It's, it, it's almost, it's, it's kind of like a cross between Riverdale and Scream, but without the mm. serial killer, you know, it, yeah. it's. It, it, it's 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 a gay version of of Riverdale almost for me this one um what did you make of it um, yeah i
3: mean i'm not seen riverdale so i can't give that a comparison Oh, riverdale was time. it was like screamed about space to me that's that's mm. that's the vibe i was getting now do you remember when we watched a while ago um i can it was like a frat house type slasher killer thing
2: that was going on you know kind of like that um in a way yeah it it was what was that called was it the initiation or something or yeah something like like that yeah yeah Yeah. it was like a swim swim Um, was a swim swimmer who got murdered or something yeah yeah other people around him yeah um i mean
1: he was okay he's just a bit
3: very far fetched, I thought. To be fair, Um and again, it's one of them where you you can see the twist coming a mile off, mm. and you know who the main protagonist is going to be. You know that's absolutely no surprise. So it kind of gives gives away the actual. You know it. Yeah, it you know.
1: Yeah,
2: stops you know, the it's...
3: tension building. You know, you you know exactly where it's going to go. It it it, it,
2: um, it is. I mean, it, it what it what it's like for me is building an IKEA wardrobe or, or something. So some bit of furniture yeah. from IKEA, and you got the instructions, and you got all the parts, and you build it, and then there's one part left over, mm-hmm. and and that is the killer. Basically, it's like well, we tidied yeah. everything up. And it's like well, no, because I've still got you know. Th- there's this obvious bit which is um, sticking out like a sore thumb. And it, it's yeah. so obvious which, which bit doesn't you know belong. But there you go. That's yeah, he's a, unfortunately it's a bit obvious. But um, yeah. But well, um, apart from that, I mean,
3: it's well shot. I mean, I, again, quite a shock to find out who's directed it. Mm-hmm. Um, How's that? It, it's called John Abrams. He was in Scary Movie.
2: All oh, right.
3: Mm. The first one. And um, he's done quite a lot of acting and stuff. Well, I didn't realize it was yeah. it. I just found out now. Right. Um. But yeah, it's pretty decent. I mean, you know nothing special but not terrible.
2: Yeah, I I mean I, I was I was impressed with how how far it was willing to go with with the sort of mm. sexual aspects. Um, you know, and, and the sort of sexuality of our protagonist, or one of our protagonists for sure, um, puts mm. in an interesting spin on things. Um the film, you know, it really kicks into gear when they all end up in that house. Yeah, at the end, you know, and it is sort, of, you know, it's it's quite late in the day by that point, but yeah. it, 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 what happens there, I was like really impressed with, it, um, in, in a sort of sick way. I thought that was okay, you know, go for it. Um, yeah, there, there's some very funny bits um like you know when, he, when he's watching all these sort of video clips of his, with the, this guy caleb yeah. who used to be in the room before him and there's this sort of mystery as to what happened to him uh the mystery sort of surrounding what's going on with his uh his roommate um as, as well and and sort of various girls it's it's interesting it, it's it is a sort of like um you know a, a bit of a sort of soap drama uh in a in a in a college dorm basically. Um you know, it's a little bit more heightened than that. But yeah. Um yeah, it, it's only really when it gets to the that house at the end where, where the stakes are raised considerably. And mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, it, it, it tries to be clever and go, ha ha, we're pulling the yeah. rug from beneath you. And it goes, well no, because I already stepped off that rug because I knew yeah. it was loose, you know, at the end of it. I knew- yeah. but you know I, I I certainly didn't mind watching it I thought it was a lot of fun um yeah you know, decent protagonists going on the stakes not particularly you know too too high but um you know heightened enough and then when when things really kick off at the end it really picks up so on that basis i'll give this a seven out of ten how about you
3: I'll give it a six
2: okay a six and a seven for exploited go check it out Our next review is The Mummy Resurrection. On his deathbed, renowned explorer and Egyptologist Felix Randolph bequeaths his legacy to his two heirs, Archie, who is a budding medical student, and his unscrupulous cousin Everett. Deep in this cellar is a dangerous secret which one would see buried forever and the other an opportunity for fame and glory. Okay, this is the latest film from uh, low-budget filmmaker Steve Lawson. Uh, Steve, what did you make of it? You can tell it's
3: a Steve Lawson film straight from the off. Um, <laughs> I know when, when we first started, you know, like Jack, Jack the Ripper, the first one we watched and the story. Ripper
2: Untold, yeah.
3: Ripper Untold, that was it, sorry. And, you know, I enjoyed that one. And a couple of others I've not enjoyed. This is better than the last couple, I'd say. Mm. But someone needs to give him a budget, you know, so he can just get out of one room in his films and just spread his wings a bit. Because I think he's got the ideas. I think he's got the talent. Mm. And I think what's holding him back in the minute is... his
2: money.
1: Yeah,
3: it really is. I mean... To be
1: fair with this
3: one, I I thought the idea of what the curse actually was, if you know what I mean,
1: Mm
3: -hmm. I thought that worked really well, and even the resurrection, how they resurrected the the mummy, shall we say, Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Um, even that as well, I thought was really well done. You know, the ideas behind it were great. I just I just really wish it it could just spread his wings a bit more because they they're even shot really, really well. They're just so restricted in budget that it's getting a bit same, you know. You know, it's literally like two rooms and that's it. People talking and there's there's nothing else else much there, really. But well, I did enjoy this more than say, like Jekyll and Hyde or the fourth Musketeer. You
2: know, mm-hmm. interesting. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, it is is one of the better ones. It's more engaging. Um, there's even a little bit of special effects towards the end, mm. um, yeah. and and yeah, there's definitely some good ideas. Some the acting's really good um, in this one. But I do I do agree. It's it's like yeah, you have got two rooms going on. Uh, more or less, which yeah, you know, you, you you want to see a bit more, but um, yeah, I I did enjoy this one. I thought it was pretty compelling yeah. story-wise. Um, the, you know, the the dynamics between the characters was really good, very interesting. I like the character of Sykes, for example. Yeah. And I, was, I was beginning to wonder if it was meant to be Bill Sykes from from um, uh, what's the film I'm thinking of Oliver, Oliver Twist. F- yeah, F- I thought um, thought. It was, I thought Maybe that was that. I did like that little bit at the end when you find, you know find out who the who the um the construction company is that that's been hired. Mm. To, to, uh, thought that was all really well done. And as you say, you know the, the whole thing with the the transfusion and trying to bring you know the, um, the mummy back, all really good stuff. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed this more than say you know the Three Musketeers or the Four Musketeers, whatever it's called. Um, I, I did like the Jekyll and Hyde one. I of it. But yeah, this this is sort of you know some, somewhere between Jacqueline Hyde and, and Ripper on Told for me. How about you, Rich?
0: I I'm very fond of this particular period in Steve Lawson's career. I like this series of films that he started mm-hmm. making. Uh, especially particularly the horror ones. I didn't so much get on with Fourth Musketeer. I didn't think that mm. could work around the limitations <laughs> as well. Mm. But I do like I like you know the formula that he's got now the, the 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 um the visual style and the the actors that he's getting to work with you know they're not big names but they're interesting compelling performers uh, i think uh, especially the older ones
2: yeah the um, seasoned season. yeah
0: the seasoned so. professionals yeah. you know, the um uh i would say that in this case you know if you... Oh, in the case of all of them, so what we've got here is he's got a particular way of working around his budgets. And he's come up with this uh, formula that is much more, cl- which is much closer, instead of being tr- trying to be like all the other horror movies and stuff that are out there at the moment,
1: mm-hmm. he's
0: mm-hmm. deliberately trying to do something in an old-fashioned style. So he's making a kind of movie that doesn't exist anymore, which I think makes it stand out. It's yeah. the, it's a It's horror. You know, in the 1930s, they didn't have big, you know, you know, big uh, monsters and stuff uh, uh, very much. A lot of them couldn't afford too much. So it, it was much more about the characters and the sort of atmosphere of it all. Uh, yeah. And I think this is even, I don't think this is Hammer. I think this is like un- more like u- Universal, yeah, yeah. some sort of period around so, that. So that
2: period then. after, you know, after they've made the big ones, like, you know, Dracula and all the rest of it, yeah. it's like mm-hmm. the, the next bit where they're going, like, oh yeah, this is Dracula's daughter or this is the werewolf in London something. You know, yeah, it's, it's, I think that's
0: a fair comparison. Yeah, and I I like that. I think he's. I think it's really working. I think he. You know, because you go back to Steve Lawson's movies, like they used to be. He was doing all sorts of stuff, still mm-hmm. with the the um the same limitations. But yeah, dinosaurs running around in, in places and uh, and so, all sorts mm-hmm. of stuff like that. And and he's done some gangster films and all things like that. But he these are quite um quite classy, quite mature. Yeah. films uh uh him and his creative studios team uh know what they're doing they find a couple they find a location that he writes the scripts and whatever, they, they churn them out and they and i like them i think they're charming um the other thing i wanted to mention was yeah so the the mummy stuff i think as as steve has already said i think they get they introduce some interesting ideas to get around some of the budget limitation stuff And to, to vary it up a bit Because there, there, there comes a point in the story Where you think Where can it go now? Because it mm. feels like it's already been wrapped up But um, they do do They do t- sort of take it into the sort of next bit uh, The I do like the, the stuff with the characters And the relationships that are established um, I don't think there's much more to say about that. the music because uh, well, that's another thing about lawson's movies i don't think he has a composer he uses like source library uh, yeah. music
1: mm-hmm. uh, and he
0: puts it together that way and some of those some of that's really obvious because you think that this this music is too grand i don't think you could have awarded the orchestra and stuff so you can kind of tell where they've they've sort of added those bits in or that's how it seemed to me i will say yeah. that um mm-hmm. but Overall, it works, and I do like. Um, the I'm looking for because he's done another Ripple one. Uh, I'm interested to see if that's related in any way to the one that he did before, or whether it's gone in a completely different direction. But uh, yeah, I've enjoyed a lot of these. I still haven't seen his Van Helsing one, which was the one that started all this.
2: That's right.
0: Um, I was just going to ask if anyone likes to watch it. Yeah. No, I have. I've, it. It. It was one we didn't. I think we only we saw the trailer and we got a quote on the cover of the dvd mm-hmm. of the trailer but we still never got to see we the movie
2: actually got to see the film
0: yeah. so um i'm i'm i will try and see that at some point because i do like it I, I i've always i mean we go back to the start of when we started doing this show one of the first films we did was a sleep loss and i think it was essex heist oh yeah and i've always been yeah. really interested in the directions that he's taken so we've sort of seen him come along and 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 do this and uh there's some other stuff out there that he's done like Saltwater, which is like crocodile movies which I'm interested mm-hmm. to see because that's probably quite different. But uh, I, I do want to see him do other stuff and I would like to see him get big budgets. So I think he's done... A, he did a couple of films with Jonathan Sofcott, which I think he did have a bit more money but I haven't seen those yet so I can't say how those ones compared. But I think he, he... I think he's he's doing what he... you know, He's making the films he wants to make and that. A bit like Rob Zombie really. He's kind of got his his sort of writer director sort of aspirations and working within particular confines that he's in, he's got something that's working for him, but I'll be interested. Um, I will be interested to see what the next phase is, you know, of, yeah. of his career and of creative studios and mm. what they end up doing. Cause they've done, they've done all sorts. And this is like just one start part of the journey. And I think there's going to be a natural end point for this. There can't be that many more because, because these are all sourced, uh, based on you know classic sources and you know mm. um you know the, the classic novels and stuff i think there's a few more that they could could touch on but i think they 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 must be winding up now i think so i think we're, we're going to have to see um see a new direction um but for the for the time being i'm really enjoying them
2: yeah on that note how are we going to score it steve i'll give it a seven mm-hmm. and rich yep and seven for me And a seven for me. So that's three sevens for The Mummy Resurrection. Go check it out. Our next review is The Minute You Wake Up Dead. Uh, Russ Potter is a small-town stockbroker who is hounded by local investors after he gave them bad advice. The only person who still warms to him is his neighbour, Delane, but when a tragedy occurs, Russ believes someone is gunning for him. Um, this kicks off with my favourite trope of um, DTV guys. Mm-hmm.
0: The in media res. The in media <laughs> res.
2: Another incredibly pointless in media res. Um...
0: I just want to know, that's the only bit of this film I saw was the in media res. <laughs> I didn't. Unfortunately, I didn't have time to go beyond that. But I oh. knew that you were gonna you were gonna love
2: that bit. Uh... Well, we have that. And then we get we get, you know, probably one of the most recognizable voices in Hollywood. And I was like, really? Because I had I, I didn't know anything about this film going into it. Um and it, it we get Morgan Freeman giving the voiceover. It takes a while before he actually turns up in the film. But um our, our main character is this guy, Russ, who's a stockbroker. Um he'd given advice to a lot of the town folk. Um who, who, and, and admittedly, you know the town had been riding his coattails for for yeah. this sort of advice for a while, from the sounds of it, um, and may, been making money off off the back of his recommendations, you know, who to invest in. But there was there was a particular merger going through with two companies, and he told them all to, well, he didn't he didn't tell them to, but he he suggested that um, if they invested in it, you know, the share price would go up when the merger went through, and at the last minute the merger was cancelled and loads of people have lost lots of money in this town. So he he's not the most um favorite person knocking about. Yep. Um but then you know he, uh, his neighbor's father gets murdered and he believes that it was a case of mistaken identity. You know, the fact that he lives right next door in a very similar house and he thinks that maybe somebody who lost a lot of money is gunning for him. So he turns to the sheriff played by morgan freeman for a bit of assistance and he's kind of he's supported and supportive of his neighbor Delane, um he's played by uh, uh jamie, jamie, alexander. J- jamie alexander from the series blind spot i don't know if you ever saw any of that very good series um so yeah is she the lead yeah she was one of the two leads uh, I, yeah that's it. that's it. Yeah.
0: Um, and the other guy is because um, I saw more- Cole Hauser at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Is he the investment guy?
2: He is, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's it, it's going along quite reasonably. And, and then we get a really nice twist to the story. And, and it sort of goes from there. And from that point on, I was really engaged because it suddenly went from a, I don't know, a, a very, you know, almost like a TV movie. Mm-hmm. Um, into something really interesting, you know. And all of a sudden, you know, the characterization was much better, um, uh, and you know, some interesting twits, twists coming up. It, it it really did sort of pick up after after that first bit. Um, Steve, your thoughts? I'm
3: going to disagree with you on that. To be fair,
2: mm-hmm.
3: um, after that first kind of twist. Hmm. It wasn't so much the twist; it was the performances at that point, and because there's a there's.
2: You didn't like Lucius, exactly. <laughs> Lucius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Lucius, I, I, he, us from um, the Simpsons. Yeah.
3: yeah, basically, yeah, it was, but not only him; the other two as well. You
2: know, me. Like the... Oh, I like those two guys. <laughs> I'll come back to those in a minute. Yeah, but they kind of give it. It was, you know,
3: it was going along. with quite, you know, quite a decent mm. melodrama. And then them three came into it. I don't know they if they were going going for comedic performances or not. But well, that's what uh, that's what I got off them. It, you know, it, yeah, it was just almost like, a bit
2: of farce with those two, isn't it? Yeah, the whole thing. Yeah. Like, well, don't don't you know? Don't cut as cut. Was it? Don't cut her finger off. She's a waitress. <laughs> she needs her fingers. Yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's quite. Don't,
3: don't, yeah. Don't cut it his hand off as a cook. Yeah. I was like, well, I don't know. He, he just threw it at that point for me. Because mm-hmm. Luke's just was terrible. Them two were them two were okay in what they were doing, but the characters just didn't work for me. And then mm-hmm. you've got the other twist on top of the other twist and it's like, right, okay.
1: <laughs>
3: you know, it was it was just it's just too much. Oh yeah.
2: Uh, no, it I liked. It. I, I liked. I liked the silliness of it, you know. I liked that sort of it kept spinning out, and enjoyed that side of it.
3: Seems to me that's what threw me. Got to that point where you find out what the crack is, the, the first point, mm. and that's when it started unraveling for me. That's when it lost
2: me. <laughs> so, so we we both got to the same point and sort of switched sides, basically. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: For me, it got more interesting. For you, it became a bit too nonsensical. So, oh well. No, and I I did enjoy this. It is, you know, it, it's a it's um, a very sort of pulpy kind kind of story, you know, set in a small town, everyone knows everyone, kind of kind of setting. Um, but I I did like it. I Thought Morgan Freeman was, you know. Well, he's Morgan Freeman.
1: He didn't really
2: have to do this, but, you know, obviously, maybe he wanted a new car. Who knows? You know, (laughs) just pick up a bit of extra cash. But, um, yeah, no, I I did enjoy this one. It it had some interesting twists, as I said. So, how are you going to switch? How was
0: Cole Hauser in it?
2: He was all right. He's he's very sort of... um, yeah. Yeah. And and his performance changes as as the film goes on, you know. He, he, it turns out he's got a few sort of uh, different different sides to him mm-hmm. which, which 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 he pulls mm-hmm. off quite well. How are you going to score it? I'm going to mm-hmm. give it a, give it a 6. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of sevens going out this week. It's another seven for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, a six and a seven for the minute you wake up dead. Uh, in case you're wondering, um, that is a phrase that a preacher uses on the radio, and it's something that uh, the characters are taunted with by an anonymous caller. You know, where will you be with the minute you wake up dead? Uh, but there you go. So, six and a seven, go check it out. <laughs> Our next review is Hellblazers. Set in a small town in the 1980s, new sheriff Joe Anderson discovers the sleepy town he's now in charge of isn't so sleepy as a satanic cult has unleashed something in the nearby desert. Um, some, I was talking to somebody online earlier today on Twitter and they, they had a look at the trailer for this because I, I said I was watching it um, and he said it reminded him of the um, the tales of the crypt films, you know, Demon Knight and Demon uh, Knight, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, 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 uh, a Bordello of Blood, Bordello Museum? of Blood, yeah. And and I have to agree with him. It's it, it, you know, it very much fits in that sort of style uh, mm. for me. Um, Billy Zane was in uh, exactly uh, Billy Zane, in one of them. Yeah. I, I, loved, I, Demon Knight. I I loved his little cameo at the beginning. Um, and this is the satanic cult leader. Um, you know, at first you're sort of like going, it, what, what you know, why is he here? Sort of thing. You know, it does seem like he's just like you know, at, at first it seems like Sean Connery in, in um, Highlander too, you know, just, really? just very sort of blandly sort of reading his lines. But that is the character, you know, he's he's playing yeah. this guy who um, you know, trying to organize this cult it is quite abusing, actually, you know, but, um yeah some other good performances in here we've got bruce stern we've got tony todd turning up for a little bit we've got uh meg foster mm. and um adrian barbeau who who admittedly has been doing a lot of these you know um cameos in sort of mid to low budget sort of horror movies sort of late like, uh are, are, you know the one i keep going back to is um hoax which was a really good uh bigfoot movie um but yeah, the cast is you know, it has these seasoned genre um, actors in it to sort of bolster the cast. Uh, I thought the actual other characters did did quite well. Um, the ones are sort of getting more and more knocked off. Um, and, and I always love that sort of trope of like you know sort of the, the, the police officer coming from the big city and you know try, trying to adjust to a small town living. And I thought it was quite amusing his lines about films. And he's, he's trying to explain Cujo to these two guys, and it's like, nope, never heard of that one. You know, who's Michael Myers? But um, yeah, no, it was good fun. Yeah, I, I I really had a a good a good time with this film. Um, Steve,
3: yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, starts off like you say, you give it like, because he phoning? Does phoning phone in, in him, But no, that's know how we should be and I was quite surprised that it was set in the 80s to be fair mm. I didn't realise that until
2: I, I didn't at first until you realised there's no mobile fire phones or anything that, yeah you
3: know. yeah it's all done that way but kind of reminded me of tremors you know mm. yeah. um, people going from building to building trying to escape but the only thing, the only thing that got me is how many are in this cult? Because there's about 25,000 bodies <laughs> at the end, you
2: know. Um, well, it reminded me of another, another, another film. There's another film that came out a couple of years ago called The Void. And that had a similar thing. Oh, of yeah. Like, these, these cult members sort of turning up and sort of trying to hem everyone into one place.
3: Is that the one in the, in the hospital?
2: Yeah, that's it.
3: Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw the trailer. I didn't, didn't watch it. Hmm. But, but yeah, well, no, it's, it, it, I thought the performance was good. It, it's all practically done. There's no... CGI, that I could tell,
1: hmm.
3: uh, which is all, always a bit of a bonus. And it was, yeah, rip-roaring, Friday night, get a beer in, get a pizza in,
1: type
2: of movie. And, yeah. Yeah. The only thing, I mean, I, I like Rich speak in a minute, but I mean, I, I love Bruce Stern in this, um, mm. his specific, specifically. Um, I thought his scene was great. Uh, yeah. I thought that was really well done. Uh, Rich, what do you make of um, Hellblazers?
0: I think it, I think it starts off promisingly, but I kind of, it wasn't, it didn't turn into the film. I thought it was going to, and then I think it lo- it just sort of lost it, uh, lost its way for me. I think it the beginning I thought was really funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got this uh, with uh, Billy Zane and stuff and he conjures the demon. And, and then the demon's like trying to, you know, do his, uh, or the monster or whatever it is, is, is sort of about to go about his business. And he's like, Oh no, if, sorry. If you could just hang on a second. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's like, I've just got, I just want to finish saying what I'm going to say kind of. yeah. so I, th- I thought that there's some sort of, uh, I don't know there was some quirky stuff that he was doing with the well, character. He's,
2: he's doing like the incantations and all, all his followers are like we don't yeah. know the words, are just mumbling <laughs> mumbling yeah. along yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think it, it would have been nice that I, I figured out pretty much that he was he was not going to be in it very much hmm. but um, I would have liked to have seen a bit more. The the opening credits, I didn't like the style of the opening credits no, before yeah,
2: that. I, I totally agree. and I, um, I, I wonder if that was meant to be like a throwback. So that's, you know, it's sort I don't of... Know. I don't know, but once the that opening eight, scene kicks
0: nine. in and the, the the film is shot really nicely, it looks really good, mm, and yeah. they've got, they have got some really great, um, you know, somewhat, as you mentioned, I mean, Bruce Dern mm. is the best, mm. and he's in it a lot more than you'd expect. I yeah. thought he was just going to be a one and seen and done but he's not. He's got like three yeah. scenes, four yeah. scenes. Uh, and he's properly you know, he's playing the character properly, typical Bruce Dern kind of character.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Uh and I uh, so he and unfortunately for me, when his scenes are over, it mm. it loses it loses most of what was interesting about the movie, I thought the um the sort of lead um the, exactly. the sheriff character, yeah the, the, the sort of main characters from that point, the, the less established, I mean Tony told cameo in and stuff was great um, but the less established characters who we sort of end up spending the majority of the second part of the film with um, I didn't find as interesting. Why the hell is the sheriff guy wearing that red the black woolly hat <laughs> i was, was, was wondering, wondering sort of, that I was, it just sort of well, seemed really I weird they never address it And, no, and I,
2: was, I was wondering if it's like hiding a scar you know maybe maybe he got shot in the head when he was in new york and that's why he's you know mm. come here for the quiet life you know maybe, maybe there's a sort of backstory about hitch yeah. tra- you know but um, it's an odd hat to wear
0: isn't it i mean this in, in the desert yeah definitely yeah so, it just so, doesn't, it just seems really bit. strange uh but um Maybe, maybe it's like
2: some, something he wore when he was in New York, and you know, just know. got used to it. You know. Yeah, I thought there was something. <laughs>
0: um, the the stuff with the cult members and mm. you know them sort of turning out, turning up, and you know being quite formidable, I thought was really interesting because you think it's just going to be a monster movie, mm. and the actual mm-hmm. monster part is really kind of sidelined. There's not a lot of monster. Yeah. Um, there is yeah. a couple of really gruesome uh, bits. But a lot. Uh, that was another thing. There was an inconsistency with the uh, tone, the violence and stuff, mm. uh, tone as well. Because as I say it starts out. It's got this sort of. It's almost spoofy sort of comedy stuff with like the Billy Zane and that. And then it's it's no. not actually. It's not actually that funny. It's not. It's not really a comedy from that. From after, there's some there's some comicalness, but it's it does it feels like the opening of the movie was like a different. You know, like Billy Zane was in a different movie. Yeah. To what what mm. the rest of it was um, but the say the monster stuff is is kind of sidelined and it's all about this these cult members which is actually a bit more uh, novel a bit more interesting I think uh, some stuff interesting stuff happening there but I found an, an inconsistency with some of the action and violence so mm. for example there's a scene uh, it's the scene where Tony Todd sort of, uh, comes in and sort to sort of save the day um, one of the characters um, uh She's like st- stabs at one of them with a with a, a shovel, hmm. and you know the sound effects are there, but there's no fake, fake blood, blood or, or, anything, yeah. or or you know whether you know real or mm. CGI.
1: Mm.
0: There's there's no evidence you know kind okay. of thing. You, it's all done with the action. You, you can see that you can see there's nothing on the weapon or anything, yeah. and. um there's just there, a few bits a like that, that, but then yeah, there's, there's another a lot couple of sound scenes.
2: Sound effects without gun muzzle, yeah. muzzle flashes, or anything, and yeah, yeah. But there's I mean... lot,
0: There are other, other scenes where they do do full-on prosthetics yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a, perhaps a budget limitation sort of thing going on there. The film reminded me, I, th- I think Tremors is a good shout, but it also reminded me and The Void, um, reminded me of Feast, which I know you guys hated, mm. but I'm yeah. still quite, I'm quite fond of. But it's that same kind of bunch of people small town I, I mean in this case they go for, for, to different buildings and stuff but you've got this same sort of under siege you know there's some iconic sort of characters and stuff there
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, and in my case I prefer feast I think this this one just didn't quite have have it I think if, <laughs> if it had a bit more um maybe I don't know if it's the budget or something but there, there's just a little bit missing that would have made it for me uh, really good because I think there's a lot of potential here there, there was a lot of potential and I really wanted to like it I just found the, the second half a bit of a slog to, to sort of get through I wasn't as I wasn't particularly engaged I love that Adrian Barbo sticks around mm-hmm. uh, she, her character yeah. is essentially a nod to uh, I think it's the fog yeah yeah her, she's like, a roles. DJ yeah, yeah. Um, and you know Tony Todd is great obviously um, mm-hmm. being the cool tough guy uh, that he, that he is, uh, and I think uh, who else? Who, who else? I would say we've already mentioned. Bruce, um, oh, Meg Foster. Meg Foster doesn't really have anything no, to do. Not really. Um, no. Say it's, it's cool that she's there, yeah. um, but uh, that it's all again. It's just kind of that sort of stunt casting thing of let's mm. fill the swill support cast up with which I don't mind. It's not too bad. I don't mind. Uh, this was a two B original in mm. in in the US. Um, but uh, which corrective measures was before that? I think I think yeah. they're the two that I'm aware of. Now, but this of one was things. is out on DVD over here. Yeah. I, well, actually, it was due out on DVD. I'm not sure if it's getting a digital only release now because yeah. I can't actually find uh, a listing for it now. Um, I knew it was supposed to be coming out yeah. on DVD initially.
2: Now, a couple of interesting things about this as well. Uh, I mean, I, I I really did enjoy this, um, but I did feel the ending was a bit. Abrupt. You know, um but but did, did you, you know, stick around for they, the end credits? Well I was gonna say there aren't any yeah. end credits. <laughs> There's just ah a well that's
0: because we've got a screener where for we've some got a screen, reason. Yeah, we've we got, got an early
2: screen, put the sc- credits on. But did you see yeah, the extra scenes? There, there is an extra scene. That was quite interesting as well. It was another interesting twist. Well, and two quite, extra scenes. Yes. Yeah, so so we got we got the bit with um uh, another bit of Biddy Zane at the end, and then we get this. Sort of police interrogation bit at the end yeah. as well, which is which quite doesn't really interesting. Doesn't go anywhere; it doesn't, it doesn't really add anything. Not really. Kind of, kind of. You know, it could set up well, another... Two, I just love the three. way it ends because it literally just ends like mid sentence and <laughs> mid sentence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but
0: well, whether that's again, it's a screener, quiet. so maybe there's something. Maybe mm. they've sorted that out with you know. Maybe mm. that'd be slightly different in the in the final release version. Mm. I'm not sure. But
3: that last but that very end scene to me was. Kind of a bit of a downer,
1: hmm. in a
3: way. You know what hmm. I mean? Because it's like the police interrogation, not being believed, because they're hmm. all going to be pinned, pinned, on, pinned on her. You know what I mean? It, it hmm. just seemed a bit. I don't know. It was just.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. they do say that. Are we? 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 we, we you know, because everyone's dead. So it's so, all. All the bodies are there, apart from the cultists, sort of thing. Yeah. You know. and it's uh, so, so well. Yeah, we do believe you, but you know. Um, yeah. We, or we we believe something happened, is what they they they, they phrase it as. I think, but um, yeah, no, I, I, I did enjoy it. How are we going to score it, um, Rich? Steve, I'll give it a seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no, I, th- I think this is a bit better. I enjoyed this probably more than a lot of the others that I've given seven two. So I'm, I'm going to give this an eight. Uh, Rich. I'm
0: going to give it a six. I just want to mention the uh, the writer, the um, writer and director. Um, he's done loads of films, uh, including uh, A Reckoning, which we covered. He's also mm-hmm. done a Bigfoot movie called Big Legend. Oh, uh, I've seen that one. And, it's good. A yeah. uh, western called Badland. I think he's done a film with uh, Randy Couture as well. Uh, Man to The Sharp Movie. Um, mm-hmm. He's got loads of stuff. So he's very good. Some, you know, I said that... Uh, I thought the film looked really good and, and I think that's why. You know, we've got an experienced director who knows how to mm. make a movie. Uh he's working with, you know, and he's done the sort um cult casting thing. Uh any bullet will do was another one of his. I think Danny mm. Trejo was in that one. The um uh was no, it wasn't Danny Trejo. Bruce Davison, sorry. Um mm. yeah, so he's a good director. Uh, and uh so I th- I think there's there was a lot of potential here. I it just it, it just wasn't I think it's worth seeing for Bruce Dern and you know some of the other actors for their roles and and I think if if you enjoy monster movies I think you'll get you know you, you'll find it quite fun as well uh, especially as it gets toward the end so yeah it's just, I just I I feel bad because I was like I really wanted to like it more
2: than I ended up liking
0: it so that's mm-hmm. what, that's, what, that's what.
2: sure but in the end that is a six a seven and an eight for Hellblazers go check it out. Our short shot this week is Ghost Bleed, the Bio-Horror. Uh, this is a pastiche of um, late 90s sort of computer uh, horror games on the PC, or even on Xbox, or, you know, Sega Mega Drive, um, Sony PlayStation, that sort of thing. Um, and it, it's presented in this sort of like, um, you know, low... low uh, Low
0: resolution. Yeah, right. sort of
2: low, low, low res. Um, pixelated. So sort of very pixelated sort of graphics. And it has has a lot of fun with it. Um, so we've got these three characters entering this um, this complex to try and stop some ne'er-do-wells. Um, there's, there's some great sort of dialogue at the beginning about the number, of, you know, we sent a crack team of state troopers in and then another 49 waves <laughs> after it until there's only yeah. three left. Uh, quite like that sort of stuff very sort of zap Branigan kind of scenario. Um, yeah, th- this is a lot of fun. How did you go on with it, Steve?
3: Yeah, loved it. It is basically, it's a rip-off of Resident Evil, hmm. the original, original one on the PS1, because you've got, like I say, you've got the live-action bits yeah. as well, as the, when they get to the tower, they're explaining it, who the actual baddie is, you know, the hell mouth the consumerism all in one. I thought it was great. I thought Mm. they'd done a really, really good job on this, to be fair. Um, I think it should... The length of it, I thought, was perfect as well.
1: Mm.
3: If it had gone on any longer, I think it might have lost its edge to me.
1: Yeah.
3: Um, But the voice performances were great. I mean, I presume it was the... People doing the live action, doing the voices as well. Mm. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought this was absolutely hilarious, and mm. it, was, it was really, really good.
2: I, I just like that you know the, the the sort of making fun of the fact that um, it is so low raised and going. Look, here's a picture of my daughter. And it's just yeah, like yeah. splurge. <laughs> yeah. Of it color. says it clear as Clearly. day.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, computer's a like a big
3: block. Yeah. You, you can't you can't shoot a ghost.
2: Oh, mm. <laughs> uh, Rich, you curated this one for us as usual. Uh, what can you tell us about it?
0: Yeah, uh, this is from Harry Partridge, uh, who made the Doctor Bee's animations. Oh right, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's really interesting because it's it's a very different style. Apart from a couple of, um, they do these like insert shots of of the characters in sort of cartoon looks or having these mm. conversations. You know where the text comes up on the screen and stuff. All these video mm-hmm. game uh, devices and stuff. So that's his particular animation style there. But I think you know his the humor and the, the script. That's all. That's all him. And you know it's yeah. it's very recognisable. His voice and stuff. It's all typical uh, Harry Partridge. But it's yeah. It's it's a very different kind of film. And it wasn't. You know, I never played these games, but I recognised the style. Yeah. And I can just, yeah. just sort of. Enjoy what it was and sort of get where he's coming from. Uh, I like that it's styled as like a video game experience. So there are even sort of fade outs and pauses while while the game loads and hmm. things between the sections. It yeah. runs for about 16 minutes. There, there's all things like, oh, we can't there's like the stuff on the top floor, and we can't get to the top floor because the the, the buttons up there. Buttons. <laughs> oh, <yeah.
1: laughs>
0: and there's and then there's a bit of where oh. I can help with that. I've got a ladder. Mm, <laughs> I pull the out the ladder. ladder out of the pocket it, yeah. and yeah. put it back and in so, the so, yeah. and stuff. There's loads of crazy stuff, lots of great ideas. Um, uh the shooting the ghosts, and oh, they're made of skin, so we can shoot them after all. Mm. And so, so, mm. so there's like and the, and yeah, like all, all the stuff that Steve recognizes from from uh playing Resident Evil. The yeah. um uh, there's cutscenes with with live action uh, performers, which is um one of them's Harry Partridge himself. There's another one called Atlantis Deep. Now, um, uh, not safe for work. If you Google, <laughs> if you Google that particular actress, um, that was a bit of a surprise. Uh, the um, the other thing is, so what I was thinking about was how would I pitch, How would I describe this? And it came to me a, a little bit earlier was this is like if Garth Marenghi. Made a video game, mm. it mm. would be this. This is a great. This is this is very in good companion piece to like um, Dark Place, or the recent or the recent book that um uh, the Garth Marenghi Territone book that uh, came out um, last year. Uh, so if you like Dark Place, uh, the Channel Four uh, mm. spoof of sort of you know cheesy sort of old horror shows and stuff, or, or horror sci-fi shows, I should say. Uh, I think you'll really like this. I think this this is a good companion piece to that sort of humour. Um I hope I I really uh it's good to say good to see Harry Partridge doing something different. I'm really excited to see him uh do, you know, I was always interested to see what he's doing. Uh I like his I like the Dr. B's kind of stuff more. Um, but I think this is a great sort of diversion, sort of see him do a different kind of project.
2: Yeah. Totally agree. This, this was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm quite surprised it's from the same guy did Dr. Bees. but there you go. Um, yeah, this is a lot of fun, and you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Eye of the Tiger. Recently released from prison, ex-con Buck Matthews returns home to discover a motorbike gang is terrorising his hometown. Um, when did this come out? 1985? Nin- 1986 it was made. 86, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing the trailer for this way back, but never actually sort of got to see the film. Um, it, it, there are definite sort of like overtones of Mad Max here, um, as, as well as sort of other sort of films that ilk at the time mm. um and and it is very enjoyable i, I really did I, did like this it's quite mean spirited at times but at the, t- at the same time it's almost the 18 but with death <laughs> you know yeah. it's, it's, it's sort of somewhere between you know the tv series of the 18 and mad max basically is the way yeah it. yeah yeah um but it is and, and we've seen other films like this as well there there was that one about the woman turning up and she she kicking ass all over the yeah shop. the stranger, the,
0: stranger. Yeah, <clears throat> the whole motorcycle gang, small town sort mm. of western kind of thing is 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 quite a common theme from the yeah. from this particular yeah. period into the nineties, And motorcycle gangs in particular, you know, appeared, uh, you know, in a lot of stuff, Stone Cold or stuff like that.
2: Mm. But yeah, this is um, this is really enjoyable. Actually, it's a really weird, you know, it's an interesting sort of. Um, Juxtaposition at the beginning because he, you know, he's getting released from prison, and then this other guy Jamie is also getting released from prison. It turns out, you know, they've been friends inside, and it's just the way they're both getting dressed. Um, yeah. You know, one one's wearing a smart white suit, and the other's got like jeans and a you know checkered shirt sort of thing, sort of very workmanlike. Um, great performances all around in this one. I thought I really, really enjoyed it. Um, some good stunt work from from the motorbike gang um a couple of nasty moments along the way just sort of you know up the um up the ante a bit and then we got people like Yafet koto um giving giving support as well and and you have to you know I'm, I'm sure you guys were the same that you were just imagining a big target on the guy's back <laughs> he's he's literally days away from retirement guys come on yeah you know it's, it's half of his dialogue was telling us, you know, he's he's days away from retirement. I'm just seeing out my retirement. Then I'm getting out of here. I'm just fixing up my plane so I could retire in the Bahamas. I'm getting out of here. Yeah, all that stuff it was a good fun. Really, really enjoyed this. Yeah. How about you guys, Steve?
3: Um, yeah, it was exactly what you said in the tin. What I thought it was going to be to be fair. Um, well, you
2: say that. I was really surprised that the survivor song. Paid
3: over the credits. Well, but, yeah, but this is the thing that got me as well because it seemed like every, <clears throat> not the score, but every piece of music mm. was also from a Rocky film because you had either side at the beginning, and then Yafik Oto kept playing "Living in America."
2: Oh yeah, James Brown. Yeah, I knew it was it's a actually. Film, it's
0: so. actually called Gravity. It sounds. It's it? it's very it similar to the a "Living in America" track. One. But yeah it's it I was confused by mind. that because it kept say it kept playing and I was like this is living in america but it, it it's not going into the living in america part I was really confused <laughs> but uh, yeah I think they're two the two one. separate tracks that sort of lap overlap but, each other I think.
2: But probably chosen on purpose well yeah well, that's um, what I mean. it just when yeah when it started I
3: was I was shocked that it it was playing you know I'm like oh okay because I, I to me it was what is it
1: Rocky
3: Three? It was
0: first in. Yeah, I think yeah. So I'm thinking it's it's for that, you know. I, I don't know if mm. that's the that's what it's famous or... for.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. I can um, fill I can
0: fill in the blanks on that. Go on then. Okay, so interestingly, this was 1986, but Eye of the Tiger came out. For it was it was made to for it was written to be the Rocky Three theme mm-hmm. back in '82. Mm-hmm. So four years have passed. So this was a big, big hit, but quite a few years have passed, which is, I'm not sure why they waited that long, but basically that the soundtrack was a, a Scotty Brothers record, and this was uh, a film made by the Scotty Brothers. So Scotty Brothers were branching out from music into movies, basically, d- clearly decided to make a film adapted from a song in their catalogue. And include other songs like the james brown one uh in there as well so that the sort of uh the adjacency to the to the rocky stuff is interesting because they they've clearly chosen two they've one they've chosen a song that was written for a rocky film <laughs> which is right strange enough but then they've included another film another, another song that's you know automatically brings to mind rocky four which was um you know a, a, just a, also like a year or two, well, I think it was about the same time, around the same time as this, I think, Rocky 4 wasn't it? Um, or was it 84? Mm. Um, not 100% on the year. No, a bit later. Rocky 4 84, 85. But anyway, so, yeah, this was, and I don't think they produced many. I think it was actually one of the Scotty Brothers mainly was the sort of driving force main producer. But, yeah, this is it's kind of like in the 80s, there were lots of movies being made to sort of cash in on songs. Uh, like yeah. girls just want to have fun and, and stuff like that. And this was this is just kind of an odd example of that happening. So yeah, they took they've taken this up. The U- the UK one, uh, well, I think it was the UK cover. They actually used the tagline, "The Story of a Man and His Will to Survive," uh, mm. on it. And uh, yeah, they do play the song at Three Points. I think it plays on the opening mm. credits, closing yeah. credits, and once or twice
2: in the middle somewhere. In, yeah. in the middle, the end, yeah. and then you have got the James yeah.
0: Brown stuff in there as well so um but for the rest of it it's not it's not like you say it's not rocky like at all it is more of a walking tall um but in sort of yeah. an 80s 80s style i think the the uh the 18 references is, is definitely valid i mean that's 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 how, how it's so 80s i mean there's there is these kind of stephen j cannell sort of elements to it um the uh, you know just slightly more violent, you know, the biker gang. I mean Night Rider went up against the biker gang. They all did it back yeah. in the day. But here <laughs> yeah. this what you go back to say that stuff about the opening scene, which is a weird scene. You know the guy's adjusting himself and all that sort of <clears> stuff in close up. And um all that stuff about setting up that other guy Mm. pretty much goes nowhere except for the fact that he rings him up and you think he's going to call in like an army or something. Mm-hmm. I and mean, he no, no, he gets sent a truck.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that was all that setup stuff was to establish that this was a sort of a fairly dodgy guy with some money
2: mm. and
0: he's going to send him this truck. And then you get glimpses of the truck. There's like foreshadowing of what's yeah. going to happen with the truck. Cause you look at it there's like a, there's like a, a, a firing sort of uh uh, yeah, exactly. you know, I think it's from a joystick. From plane or or a joystick. Yeah, yeah. joystick, yeah, and I'm like, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I'm getting mm-hmm. excited because I've never seen this film before, yeah. and they sort of tease that, and then you, like, when's it going to kick in? And then it all goes like, it's like a, it's a Dodge Ram truck, mm. but based on a, based on a James Bond car. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, right. it's like James Bond's Aston Martin, but as, a, as a really American truck, mm. uh and it's like firing missiles and stuff at the end, which is crazy. And then I think that was a. Almost to bring it back to Rocky and Stallone, I wonder if this was a an influence on Tango and Cash because mm. it's basically the same ending um, with the with the sort of souped up truck. I mean, there's a much cooler one in that movie, but same kind of thing happens. Um, the um, yeah, so I'll I'll let you guys talk about um, other aspects of the film before I say any more. Mike, did you
2: enjoy it? I really did. Yeah. Um... I this I mean I I did like the bit with the, with the um sort of the garrote wire across yes. the yeah. street that's but, quite you know, nasty that was I think that's weird. what you're saying
0: about the sort of meanness of the film yeah. at times that was pretty because cool. it does go a bit Death Wish basically as well
2: mm. yes yes
0: certainly um, I think there's a lot of influences at play
2: yeah definitely no I I just I just really enjoyed it overall um, it, it worked really well. I like the came that to the, mind the, the um you know the, the biker gang yeah um you know there's this kind of honor among them sort of thing so so it, it reminded me a bit of like um 13th warrior at the end to a certain degree you know um cut off the head of the, the snakes sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah uh, there yeah. was a little bit of that um but yeah no it's it's just really really enjoyable
0: yeah and we've got William Smith also you know mm-hmm. one of the most established mm. sort of You um, typical 80s tough guy um, characters Mm. uh, in there, as uh, who also did the 18 as well. And Mm. um, he's really good. I wasn't expecting to see him with a shaved head. He's got kind of a Mm. thing where he's just got the hair at the back, which is quite an interesting look, but he's still got his mustache. He he reminded me of Vernon Wells. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he did remind me a lot of Vernon Wells. I think, again, I think you're right with what you've said about the um, the Mad Max influence. Mm. I think that's definitely a Mad Max, Mad Max 2 kind of. Element in there, I think this is kind of a hodgepodge of different ideas yeah. that have um, that have been used. And Yaphet Koto coming in uh, is also interesting. Now, the what what came to mind when I was watching it was that it seemed an awful lot like "Marked for Death," the Steven Seagal movie.
2: Oh yeah,
0: because he... you remember in that one um, he goes back home, uh, he he ends up you know targeted by this gang. In that case, mm. it was Jacob Jamaican uh, Voodoo Posse gang. Uh, he gets targeted by them, and he teams up with um, Keith. It's David. A
2: local fo- football coach, or something. He? Yeah, he yeah, teams up with yeah. his
0: old mate Keith David.
2: Yeah,
0: and Yaffa Koto is very similar to the Keith David character, mm. although he's a police officer. And stuff. But the, their team up, and the fact that they team up uh, for the for the conclusion of the film and everything was all very similar. I thought it's also including the truck stuff because there's a there's a very notable um, pickup truck scene in uh, in Marks for Death yeah. as well. And they drive and it's the, a great the,
2: the shopping mall sort
0: of thing yeah yeah exactly and the um so i don't know if that's a sort of a coincidence or w- whether it was an influence or whatever but it was you know it's just stuff that was prevalent at the time now the the motorbike stuff's really good but the truck stuff's really good as well there's some mm. great stunts where the truck is like way up in the air yeah. <laughs> it's like really high jumps or whatever some great stunt driving mm. in the movie as well which again you'd we, we feel like we see a lot of car stunts and everything in, you know, uh, whether it's Michael Bay movies or, or, or Fast and Furious and stuff, but they never feel as visceral as
2: yeah this stuff or, from the 80s. Or as weighty, you know. As, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. weighty. It's, 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 it's you know, like we real know in truck. some cases,
0: they do yeah. use real vehicles, but they don't seem to do it as much. Mm. But in back in this, this sort of period, you know, especially with the A-Team and everything, they were just crashing vehicles, you know, PM Entertainment, mm. especially
1: <laughs> in yeah.
0: the 90s. You know, vehicles were just getting crashed left, right and centre and stuff. And uh, yeah, so I thought this Gary Busey is the lead in this one. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was really good. I always enjoy um, seeing him. I don't know where things kind of went a bit crazy with Gary. I don't know if it was after an accident or something, but, you know, Mm. he was very good at these strong, tough guy lead characters, but also good Mm. sort of crazy supporting characters. He used to play a a variety. And then he just kind of became this Hollywood joke yeah recently he had a a bike accident didn't he yeah i I know it's sort of i don't know if that impaired his you know he he became like very quirky and you know just sort of um Mm -hmm. uh yeah uh, whereas in i mean he was well known in the 70s i think he played elvis presley or buddy Holly. no buddy holly sorry he played buddy Buddy holly um and uh yeah, he was he was really good. Had a great great screen presence. I think he worked really well with this. Him and the Koto Seymour Cassell is in there as a crooked sheriff who's got mm. it in for him and stuff. This there's a lot um, there's a lot to recommend this. Uh, you know, beyond the novelty of the survivor song, which which is really I mean, it's sort of an interesting hook. I I, I, mm. I think this is uh, this is a really good example of of eighties action and I, you know, a complete oversight that I'd, I'd never seen it until now.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is available on Prime. Now, did bit you guys have a rough have, copy though? I was about to say, did you guys have any issues? Especially around yeah. the funeral bit. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, I think it's a really yeah. dubious really digitization.
2: Yeah, which is a shame. But, but it's um, widescreen. It's a nice, yeah. it's a nice look,
0: but it's it was playing really sort of stuttery at the start, and it gets really pixelated at two or three points. Yeah. And I yeah. you know, as far as I'm aware, it's a legit upload. But it does make you wonder because it was it did it was quite ropey at times.
2: Yeah. Um, so this is directed by uh, Richard C. Sarafian. Serafian. Um Terminal Velocity and oh, yeah. Point. Uh, yeah, all sorts. Um, his last film was actually Solar Crisis. Um, which unfortunately he changed it to Alan Smithy. Um, I think that was it. It was it had some brilliant special effects. I think I think ILM did all the special effects for that film, oh, and yeah. and it, it, they were really really good. But the actual sort of story, you know, there's the, bits with Jack. There's two sort of storylines. One set on this spaceship, which is trying to do what they did in the film Sunshine, and then there's um, this other bit with Jack Palance and this kid on the planet on on Earth and getting harassed by shady Men in Black kind of guys. Um but I, I really liked it, so it was a quite interesting to sort of see that he, he directed this. Um yeah,
0: sorry, I was confused I was I was confusing him with Darren seraphian when I said mm. terminal velocity. So um I don't know All if right, yeah. um no so Richard yeah he did um like you say um he, he was the one who made mm. like Solar Christ and stuff but um Vanishing Point yeah, is Vanishing probably the yeah, most so well known
2: film well known um <clears throat> going back even further um yeah, he did loads of sort of old sixties TV stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, really big shows didn't he? Batman, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, Wild Wild West, mm. he did, and uh, there was a. There's yeah. also one here saying the Girl from Uncle, which I've never heard of that. I mean, I've yeah, heard of the Man from only, Uncle.
2: It only lasted one series, apparently. But um, I haven't seen any of it. I must admit,
0: mm-hmm.
2: big fan of starring uh, Stephanie Uncle. Powers. Interesting.
0: Yeah. I've never heard of that before.
2: Yeah, (laughs) There is one from his filmography I would like to see called Sunburn with um, Barrow Fawcett Majors and um, uh, Charles Grodin Mm it's quite interesting but yeah, no, um, an interesting one it's on Prime as we say, it is a bit of a dodgy copy, unfortunately a bit of a dodgy transfer um, but stick with it, it's definitely worth checking out and that is our roundup let's do that again and that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Steve and Rich for enduring the monsters with me.
0: It wasn't that yeah, bad. Come it
2: on. It was.
0: Yeah, it was. It was
2: shite. I'm sure, I'm sure we're gonna see worse. You know, in the in the weeks to come. I'm sure there'll be something out there which is really going to, you know, get our, grind our grits, as they said on the Family Guy. We had a really um, good a selection though this week, haven't we? yeah, oh, I mean, yeah no, no, it's just. Really, I mean, I was. Really
0: really I had some real pleasant surprises, yeah, especially with the British mm-hmm. horror.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, Wolf Manor and uh, Mummy Resurrection both really good, you know, and and then you know we had things like Exploited and um, The Minute You Wake Up Dead, which I thought both managed to sort of come up with, you know, new ideas between them, um, you know, different plays on the sort of the usual sort of police procedural stuff we've seen so so, yeah good on them Um, and then Hellblazers was a lot of fun with a great cast so yeah an interesting bunch of films this week and a great um, throwback and um, sort of short shot Uh, tune in next week Um, I'm sure we'll have more surprises then and don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest uh, especially the short shots where Rich will put a a new short up every evening around about 8 o'clock Thank you for listening. Tune in next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune
1: in again next time.